Acts 28, verses 1 to 6. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on its hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their, their minds and said he was God. Good morning, everybody. Have a look at you. I want to talk about Paul. What an amazing person Paul was, wouldn't he? He was such a good example to us. He said, be like me. He was so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of wisdom, that he could say to people, be like me. And he was a good example, thank you. Despite his past, he was a horrible religious murderer. But he had the most amazing conversion. And despite that past, and despite all his sufferings, he was imprisoned many times, he was stoned. One time he was stoned and left for dead. And he was dragged out of the city, I love this. He was dragged out of the city, left for dead. The disciples gathered round him and he just got up. <laughs> I love that. He was flogged five times. That's 39 lashes. That's the most a person can take without being declared dead. He was beaten with rods three times, shipwrecked three times. He was in danger, constantly in danger. Rivers, robbers, fellow Jews, Gentiles in the city, in the country and at sea. False believers. He had gone without sleep, food, water. He had been cold, he had been naked. He was well acquainted with suffering. But he didn't dwell on that. He didn't dwell on his past wickedness. He didn't hide it away, but he didn't dwell on it. He didn't dwell on his sufferings. He encouraged the Philippians to pray and give thanks in every circumstance. And God's peace would guard their minds. He taught them, and he teaches us, to have control over our minds. He was taken prisoner in Jerusalem, which is what he used to do. 
take Christians prisoner in Jerusalem. She was taken prisoner and he was about to be scourged. Now a Roman scourging was much worse than you know, normal flogging. And he was tied up, chained up, his back was naked and he was just about to be scourged. I love this. And he said, you do know that I'm a Roman citizen. They weren't even allowed to chain up a Roman citizen, never mind scourge them. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he appealed to Caesar and he was taken to Italy on a boat. And now you've heard all about the shipwreck. Sorry. So there was a typhoon, a northeaster, and everything was thrown overboard. All the ship's tackle, the furniture, the freight, everything. And it was dark for many days. No sun, no stars, just blackness. And everyone on that ship had no hope. All hope was abandoned. Now we've just had Suicide Awareness Week, haven't we? And I was listening on the radio to um, an expert talking about suicide. And he said that when people are suicidal, when they commit suicide, they are not wanting to end their own lives. They're wanting to stop the pain. And what we can do is talk to people who we think might be going through depression. Quite often, you hear about people committing suicide, and you've got, you have no idea that they're even thinking about that. So we need to talk more about it. And we need to use the word suicide. We don't need to beat around the bush. But we talk, and we show them that we care, and we give them hope. And this is what Paul did. He gave them hope. He told them that they were not going to die, that God had told him they were all going to survive. And the ship came apart, but they didn't. And then this bit. He shook the snake off into the fire. Corinthians on the screen, chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please, put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ. Paul really loved the people that he wrote to his friends and all the Christians. You really can tell when the way he writes to them how much he loves them. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him, but I'm afraid 
that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There's something about snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't even like worms, to be honest. There was, I was doing my garden the other week and I picked up some pieces of wood because I was, wanted to sort out this particular corner. And there was a whole family of wriggly worms. And I thought, well, I, I can't, I can't. So my grandsons were there, five-year-old and a seven, eight-year-old. So I said, just come over here. Can you just put, well, pick all these worms up? Make sure you get them all because they're a family. And take them all over to the side of the garden. Yes, Grandma, of course I will. Pick them all up. I could never do that. I think we might need therapy. I remember when I was a child. Um, do you remember that song, No One Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me? I'm going in the garden, yeah? Just sing it in brownies. I used to sing it at the top of my voice. I loved it. But in reality... I would not go anywhere near a worm. And there was a big, fat, juicy worm on the garden path. And I was backing away from it. And my dad was there. And he said, what's the matter? I said, it's a worm, it's a worm. So he picked the worm up, which made me shudder. And he held it in his hand. And it was a very big worm. He said, go on, just pick it up. So no way. So he put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out two half crowns. Now I've got a shilling a week. This was five shilling for those of you too young to remember. And she says, right, he said, they're two half crowns. Just pick that worm up. And you can have that, two half crowns. Said, no way. He says, okay, just touch it once with your, with your finger. Just t- touch it like that and you can have two half. Oh, you just, well, I can remember his face. What a wimp. But that's what his face said. What a wimp of a daughter I've got. Don't like worms. And I don't like snakes. I used to have a snake in the um, pet shop in Crochet Booth. And um, I went to buy cat food. And they had this big snake just slithering around on the counter. So they had to serve me on the pavement. No. Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty, craftier than any other creature. Has God said? Now, we don't talk about the devil a lot. He's a defeated foe. Why should we? If God is for us, who can be against us? But he is subtle and crafty, and he plants negative thoughts. Example, you're no good. Or worse, you're really good. 
You're really good. You don't need Jesus. He gives, he reminds you of things in your, from your past. He plants guilt. And far worse than that, he plants shame. He plants disappointment. He reminds you of grudges. Complaining, jealousy, anger. This is what the devil plants in our minds. T.D. Jake, Bishop T.D. Jake, not everyone's cup of tea. I quite like T.D. And I, was, I wasn't listening to him, but I walked into the room and he was on and he just said this one thing which really jumped out at me. If strife, I don't know whether he used the word strife, but it was some negative thing. If strife comes into the house, don't make a bed for it. In Psalm 139, verse 4, God knows... Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God knows our every thought. Aren't you glad? Other people don't, can't read your mind. <laughs> but God knows every thought. He loves us anyway, doesn't he? Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Be careful what you think. Guard your minds, because you become what you think. What you think governs what you say. And what you say governs what you do. And what you do governs your whole life, your character, your destiny. We have to be in control of our minds. This is what warfare is. James tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what I think that it just is? Just tell the devil to shut up. When you get a negative thought, just say, shut up. Cast it down. Change your mind. In Corinthians, Paul teaches the church, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we can do this. We don't have to think everything that comes into our heads and mull over it until we get depressed. We have got control. Every little thing that comes into our head, but also these big things, we have to take captive every thought, ungodly philosophies, lofty opinions, every exalted and proud thing. Always remember, the devil is a liar and there are some big fat lies out there. We live in a noisy, angry world full of pain and we're all vulnerable. We all experience rejection. Rejection is the worst thing. You have no worth or value when you feel rejected. That's immediately comes on you. No worth, no value. But God desires an intimate relationship with every person. And that is the opposite of rejection. So if you feel of no worth or value for any reason... 
That is the devil's lie. Just look at the cross. That's how valuable you are. Philippians 4 on the screen. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And, here you promise, the God of peace will be with you. I don't know about you, but that sermon last week, it just filled my mind with good thoughts all week. Was it, it was beautiful, wasn't it? Beautiful sermon. If you've not heard it, listen to it on the podcast. It was, it was all about God is good. That's what it was about. All these things, this long list here. All these things are what we should be thinking about. Whatever is lovely. Jesus, he's the loveliest. The loveliest of all. Good report, good stories that cheer you up. Share them. Fill your mind with things. Think, fill your mind with being thankful and praise. If, if you're in a really negative situation, and I, believe me, when I've been preparing this word, I have been tried and tested. I can't tell you how much. I've just thought, oh, why am I bothering? I'm useless. All the rest of it. But in every negative situation, no matter how bad it is, I know that I'm suffering with my health at the moment, and I know there are other people here, you can always find something to say thank you for. Always. And when you do that, you're changing your mind, you're renewing your mind, and you're starting to concentrate on Jesus. Think about what you're thinking. And... If you're feeling all negative and feeling like things are really getting you down, just say, Lord Jesus, please come into my thoughts, invite him into your thoughts. Honestly, <laughs> it's amazing the difference. It just get, Your mind just gets full of peace and optimism. Because we've got a great future ahead of us, haven't we? Because we belong to God and he's in charge of our lives. So don't dwell on things that you are not responsible for and that you can't change. Talking to myself now. Don't be hindered by unbelievers. I have a lot of, most of my family are unbelievers. And I have a lot of friends who are unbelievers. And they get me down if I spend too much time with them. I can feel my spirits dropping. Jesus told the disciples when dealing with unbelievers to shake the dust from the feet. Now you can't do that with your friends and family. But you can cast your care. You can pray for them and you can cast your care and you leave it to God. That's a great saying in the world today and it should apply to every Christian. 
No worries. Forgive yourself. Whatever may trouble you from the past, don't keep on asking God to forgive you. He forgave you the first time you asked. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take your forgiveness. It is a gift. And don't resist and say, you don't deserve it. Of course you don't. That's what grace is and mercy and unconditional love. So when condemning thoughts come, here's why I'm tying it up now. Shake them off into the fire. (laughs) And you will suffer no ill effects. Then you can go forward. Then you will be an overcomer. You can change the voice inside your head. You've got to know who you are and have confidence in who you are. I have a friend. When we were young teenagers, we were quite pally, and she lived in London and her parents were very wealthy and quite well known. And I was staying with her in London and in the square where she lived, there was a hotel. And the Osmonds were staying in this hotel, going back a bit. And uh, my friend wanted to get into this hotel to meet them. And she was, had all these elaborate plans about how she was going to get past the doorman. And um, her mother came into the kitchen. She said, what are you talking about? So she told her, she said, oh... Just don't worry about that. Just tell them who you are. I've never forgotten that. It amused me no end. I still, I still use that saying now to this day. And my friend who was trying to get tickets for Glastonbury and failing miserably to get these tickets. And I just said, just tell them who you are, you know. <laughs> but this is what Paul said about himself. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything in him. I am self-sufficient, not easy to say this one, in Christ's sufficiency. And in spite of all the tribulation that he went through, he said, I am filled with comfort, I am overflowing with joy. I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings. And he instructed the Colossians to set their minds on higher things, not on earthly things. Of course he shut the snake off into the fire. You know, if it, if you do get a snake bite, the antidote is in the venom, in the poison. So what makes you weak? God can turn it into something that makes you strong. And Paul spent three months in Malta and he was well looked after. He ended up, he had a high ranking Roman centurion looking after him who was kind to him. 
How often will that have happened? <laughs> and the people showed unusual kindness to Malta. You know, you hear about people landing on islands, don't you? And the natives come out and catch them and eat them. But this didn't happen for Paul, because God was with him every step of the way. And he planted a church in Malta. And if you go to Malta to this day, there's plenty of churches there. And then he went to Rome. And he wasn't thrown into prison. No, he had a nice little house to live in for two years. He wasn't allowed to go out. But he could have visitors. <laughs> that sounds fantastic to me. So he had visitors, he wrote his letters to the churches all the time in this little house. And Caesar, I think it was Tiberius. This is the kind of thing that Robert would know. I was thinking about Robert this morning. As I, was, I thought, I'll just look up Caesar, who, which Caesar was it, and a bit about him. Because that's what Robert would do. He'd tell you all about who the Caesar was and what happened to him, what was it Nero? Thank you, Google's wrong, but Robert will be right. <laughs> and you think about how many St. Paul's there are. I'll Google that as well. How many St. Paul's are there in the world? And it didn't give me a number. Just give me a long list. And I thought, oh, I'm not counting this lot. I'll go cross-eyed. There's even one in China. All over the world. Probably too many to count. What a legacy. So, I'm finishing now. When the devil reminds you of all the millions of things you have thought, said and done wrong, think about this. Imagine standing before a great throne and the supreme ruler of all on the throne says to you all charges are dropped you are free to go so when condemning thoughts come just shake them off into the fire and you will suffer no ill effects be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the Holy Spirit. Think about the way you think. Just close your eyes for a minute and let's just, just have a think about your thinking. What is going on in your mind? When I sat down this morning to have 20 minutes just in quiet, everything in the world went rushed through my mind. I had to pray because I couldn't to sit quiet with all these things kept rushing in, rushing in. Invite Jesus into your thoughts right now. No matter what you're going through, just say, Lord Jesus, please, I invite you, come into my thoughts, take over my thoughts, bring me that peace that you promised, and thank you. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you, you're going to have a good day. A really good day. I promise you that. Amen. Amen. <laughs>